I'm Avery Chapman. And I'm Joey Braun. Welcome to Season 2 of the Mind Shape Podcast. We bring you stories from everyday people that are meant not only to be helpful and encouraging, but also to be inspiring and motivating. The topics we will discuss this season will bring up the most inquisitive conversations. This is Episode 26 of Season 2. Get ready, because this one is powerful. We'd like to make our listeners aware that some of our episodes contain explicit and real-life sensitive content. The words used and said in some episodes may be triggers to memories, experiences, and or unwanted events in your life or someone else's. Your discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to episode 26 of the Mind Shape podcast. My name's Joey Braun, and as always, I want to thank you guys for coming on and listening to our podcast. It means the world to us. If you guys could subscribe and leave us a review, that would be amazing. You know, if you're new here and you like the podcast, listen to the episode and then decide if you want to subscribe or not. Tell a family member, tell a friend, tell someone you care about. Help us grow this podcast, which the best way is just through people. So if you guys can help us out, that'll mean the world to us. It'll get our guest stories out to more people and will help our platform create a bigger impact on the world. With that being said, let's roll episode 26. Julia, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. So happy to be here. So guys, today, this is a bit of a unique podcast. Julia is going to be coming on to not share her story necessarily, but to share her grandma's story, which is incredible. And we really thought it should be told. So that's the format we're going to be having today. Julia will be telling her grandma's story. So with that being said, Julia, give us a little bit of background and a brief overview of your grandma's story. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for that intro. So I actually call my grandma Nona. I'm first generation um, in America. My whole family is Italian, so I'll be referring to her as Nona a lot. Um, She moved here uh, when she was about mid-30s from Italy. She brought her whole family here, and she's always been super hardworking, the bread maker of the family. You know, she worked until she was about 70 years old, and she's kind of had a pretty rough life on top of that. And this past year specifically has been super detrimental, but her strength and perseverance and determination subconsciously has really helped her get through it. No, and I'm so excited to dive into, you know, her life story and what she's been through, because from what we talked about on the phone, like she's been through so much. She's an amazing woman and, you know, she's still fighting. So let's kind of roll back. Let's roll back to the beginning. Um, you just said, you know, first generation from Italy. You know, tell us about that, where, where she's from, you know, what, what she did for work and different things like that. Yeah, of course. So she raised my mom. Um, my mom was born in Naples, and that's in the south of Italy. And then when my mom was about mm, three or four years old, they moved up to Genova, which is in the north. So she was always moving around. She was a world traveler. Um, her sister lived in Africa. So they always traveled. That was a big part of their life. And then she said, you know, they want to fulfill the American dream. So she brought her whole family here and they moved to America. We live on Long Island. 
and her whole family lives across the street from her. And yeah, so she brought everybody here. She was always working, you know, whether it be like a supermarket job, she worked in a coat factory. She always just had something to bring home a paycheck every week to raise her family. That is so powerful. And so what was her husband doing, you know, at the time? What 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 was his role? So he was big into jewelry. Um, he would kind of go into these little ventures here and there. So one time he opened a gas station. He kind of helped my mom and my dad when they opened their first business. He was always kind of just a floater, but I guess I would say his biggest thing was he was a collector. So he was really big into antiques and coins and collectibles, and he did some side work with that. But she was always the one, you know, out and about working all day. Now, is that something that's popular in, in, in Italy? or Because I know that's not obviously the most popular uh, way it is today. Usually it's the guy, you know. Um, is that a certain type of thing, or is that just the way it was this particular situation? Totally. Um, I think definitely it's just a specific situation. I don't think it has much to do with the Italian culture. I think it was just the way that their marriage had worked out. Gotcha. Gotcha. So do you happen to know how they met? Uh... Yeah, they actually were like 13. Um, and they met just hanging around Naples. Like they were out with some friends and stuff like that. And my grandpa was hitting on her. And they've been together since, yeah, they were like 13 years old. That is, that is like a crazy number. Cause nowadays 13's like, you wouldn't even think about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> 13 totally. it's like, I've had a bunch of messed up relationships. Since then. Oh my <laughs> but God. Yeah. But that's like how it was, you know, back further in the day, you know, people got married earlier. People met each other. They stuck with each other. They got married earlier. Yeah. And then she made, and you made the move over here, Long Island. Um, you know, she's bringing on paychecks, you know, he's doing jewelry, trading, different things like that. What, when was like, when for her, did she have uh, like her babies? Like when was that process for her and like that whole process start? She was pretty young. Um, I think she had my uncle when she was 21 and my mom when she was about 24. 24. Okay. And your mom is how old now? My mom is going to be 56 this year. 56. Okay. So your grand, like your grandma is, you know, I know we talked about on the phone, you know, she has such an amazing story, but, you know, I kind of want to dive into you know because obviously there's a long time before what we talked about um you know what was her life like you know 30s 40s 50s you know from what from your perspective of like how you knew her um what you saw her do what was your impression of your grandma she improvised I think that is the best way to put it you know she never learned English my mom and my uncle got the opportunity to learn English in school so you know, she came here not knowing the language and she just figured it out. And I think that that was what's so compelling about her whole life. And something that I think is challenging for millennials is, you know, we're so used to everything at the touch of our fingertips, whereas our older generations or 
our ancestors, our grandparents, our parents, they just had to figure it out. You know, like if she didn't know how to say something, it's not like she just had an iPhone and could go on Google Translate like how I was when I went to Italy. So (laughs) it's so true. And, you know, you think about these things and that's how people learn and that's how people get their strength. And, you know, my mom was in eighth grade and, you know, she didn't know how to write checks. So my mom learned these basic skills in school and she was able to come home and write a check. And like I said, my mom's been doing that since she's what, in eighth grade. I probably learned how to write a check when I was like 21. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. So she didn't know much English. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. She still speaks very choppy English. You like, she definitely understands what you're saying, but she still, you know, doesn't have the correct grammar. She calls he a she. It's really just mumbo jumbo, but she makes it work. No, that's, that's really wild because, you know, she's done all this, you know, she hasn't been able to speak like great English. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, that's really cool. But your mom was able to do it. She, your mom probably saw that one was like, well, I'm going to go ahead, get that education, learn the English, and then obviously help her write checks, the things like that, the simple things. Totally. What age was she when you first met her? I know that. Yes. Oh, now we're going to play with some numbers here. Um, my mom had me at 31, and they have an age gap of 24. So 31 plus 24. She was 55. 55. Yeah, so... So you meet her when she's 55 and obviously yeah. you're younger. So you give it a couple of years, you know, before you, you actually have conscious, you know, kind of look at her, you know what I mean? So yeah. what are we, 65 ish, like we're yeah. 10, yeah, 65 and you're seeing her do a lot of things. And at this point, um, you know, what is she doing? Is she still working? Is she retired? Like what, what is, yeah. What is she doing? So Um, At the age that I remember, kind of when I was growing up, so I like to say, so my parents um, have been divorced since I'm eight years old. No, I'm in fourth grade, 2008, they got divorced. So, you know, my mom has had to take on this role as being the mom and the dad in one. And I think my Nona was always the more feminine figure in my life. And my mom kind of took on more of like a masculine role, like, you know, work hard like hers, you know, she had this like double duty. Whereas my Nona was the one who was cooking, who was cleaning, who was taking care of us. And my mom was the one who was always out at work. And I think that's how I got so close to her is because she truly like raised me. Um, When my parents were together, they were so, so busy with their small business that they had owned. And, you know, every holiday, every weekend, every day, my grandparents had watched me. And that's how we got like I said, super close. So she was working at Pathmark, which is our local supermarket. I don't even know if they're around anymore, to be honest. But she was a cashier. <laughs> have you heard of it? I have. I just haven't seen one in a long time. Yeah. So she was a cashier there. And like I said, you know, she was never about, you know, you know, doing a super aggressive job that was going to make her millions. But she knew always how to save her money. She knew she was very smart with that. And there was always enough. You know, my mom always says that she's like, no matter what the circumstances were, 
they always made us feel like we had enough. And that's so important. So what do you think's, I know you named a bunch of different things there. What do you think's like, you can't really name one, but what are like the top three or top couple lessons that you've learned from her? When listening to podcasts, it's important to have a good podcast listening app. That's why we recommend CastBox. CastBox has over 95 million different kinds of audio content and is free to download and it's free to listen. So head over to the Apple Store, download CastBox, and start listening to your favorite podcasts today. That's a good one. Um, I think definitely, you know, independence. I think her being a woman and hat playing the double duty similar to my mom is that, you know, just because I go out and work all day, then I have to come home and I have to cook, I have to clean, I have to do the laundry and like just being so independent to never rely on somebody else, whether it be for money, for happiness, for whatever, you know, she would always tell me these old Italian quotes and it was really all about you know, being so independent and happy with yourself. So I think that one. And second of all, after everything that she's been through this past year, strength. This woman is subconsciously so strong and she doesn't even know it. And it's so inspiring that her strength is just unmatched. I would be lucky if I could be half as strong as she is one day. She is super, super strong. So with that being brought up, let's go through that timeline of what she's been through in the past year. So kind of go into, you know, what's happened in sequential order, uh, just to give the listeners an idea. Totally. So, you know, everything was all great. You know, we're far, very far from a perfect family, but we were happy. We had every Sunday dinner, um, lots of laughs, lots of love. We always, she's a huge cook. So a lot of our culture and our family time is spent around food and the dinner table. So that's really our normal. And then last summer, she had got diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. So it's about a year ago now, so last July. And that was just so tragic because my family has never dealt with um, cancer in our family before. So that was hard. And second of all, like, she's like the rock of this family. She is like the backbone, you know, everything. She holds everybody up without anybody knowing it. So that was really tough. You know, we kind of felt like we lost her in that moment because I'm not sure if the listeners are familiar, but, you know, this is something that I didn't know when she got diagnosed is that stage four, you know, they say it's never going to go away. It can only be minimized. So that was some, you know, a hard pill to swallow. And for her, that's given so much to everybody. You know, you wonder, like, why do things like this happen? So that whole summer was kind of scary, kind of like a roller coaster. And once it was the fall and she got a few other opinions and she was ready to go in for the chemo, my grandpa tragically got sick. So this was her husband, rarely goes to the doctor, you know, always complains about being in pain here and there. But this was bad. We knew something bad was about to happen. So it turns out that he actually had stage four liver cancer. And he had a huge tumor growing on his liver that was pushing on his spleen. 
and it was causing um, the bile to enter his bloodstream. So he had jaundice, he was turning yellow, and it just all happened so fast. You know, I felt like it was the first week of September. I was starting my senior year of college, and, you know, I blinked my eyes and he was on hospice. So that was really challenging to know that she was going through all that. And then we totally put everything with her on pause. And, you know, we had no idea if my grandpa maybe had like one month or one year or maybe, you know, it could be a miraculous story, five years. And within 30 days, he had passed away right in his own home. He was on hospice only for like three days. And it was so sad because he never wanted to go to the doctor. You know, once he felt like he knew he was going to pass he was just like, that's when I'll go. You know, he didn't want to be on medicines. He didn't want to go through this chemo. And that was just his way of life. So when that happened, the hardest, hardest part was, of course, losing him was very, very challenging because it was the, you know, my grandparents were like my second set of parents. Like we saw them every day. We did everything with them. They played a huge role in my brother and I's lives. And so when that happened, um, that was hard. But what was so, so difficult is that I had never in my life seen my Nona cry. And seeing her cry nonstop, even until, you know, a couple months ago was the last time I saw her. But I, like, I couldn't even believe it. I said, I, you know, this woman is tough as nails. And for her to be so vulnerable, I knew it was just so bad and so hard. And you know, she's 80 years old, being someone every day since you're 13, that must be fucking tough. That That's hard. So that happened. And then, you know, we gave it like a month, we were mourning and the doctor was really pressing on her and was like, you know what, you really have to start with the chemo. So she starts with the chemo, everything's going great. It's going exactly as planned, the cancer is minimizing. And she gets this amazing news that She's only going to need to do one more chemo treatment, and then she's just going to be on pills. And it's not going to be harsh. You know, she never had any adverse effects of the chemo, never felt sick, nothing. She really took it so well. And the day after she found out that news, she gets in this terrible car accident. And, you know, my mom and I think that she did die and come back to life because she said that she remembers an angel hugging her and saying it's not your time yet and then all the next thing that she remembers is waking up in the hospital and when she was there you know she was hallucinating a little bit we found out now that she kept saying that she saw these two little girls in white dresses and they were climbing a mountain and that was just resonated so much with me because I just said you know what these are your guardian angels and she said that she saw um, her sister who had recently passed away and my no-no, my grandpa. So definitely was a spiritual, you know, manifestation. It was just a very spiritual moment. And yeah, so that was crazy. And she was in the hospital and, you know, she broke her femur. She broke 13 ribs. She broke um, her collarbone. She had to get stitches in her other leg. She is just a cripple. And it was so, so sad to see her so active, always cooking, cleaning, food shopping. She drives. She didn't have any visual impairments. Like she was so, so healthy and great. And 
you know, for her to be bedridden since February has just been so challenging. You know, it's like everything was taken away from her. So, you know, we later found out and she was intubated for like 30 days. And this was all before COVID. So this was like February. And we now found out that the doctors really didn't have much faith. You know, they said now, like, this is such a miracle. We cannot believe how strong this woman is from what she's endured. And then when COVID hit, they had put her in a nursing home. So she, you know, she has been better. She finally walked for the first time about three weeks ago since February. And like, like I said, like, she's a super independent, strong-willed woman. So for that to be taken away from her just be very challenging. And like I said, she was with my grandpa every single day and he had passed away. So she was feeling quite lonely. And now she was just even more lonely because we can't see her because COVID. So, you know, things are starting to slow down a little bit with COVID. We're like, she's going to come home soon. And we get news that my uncle passed away, her son. So we had to get an exception to go see her in the hospital and tell her the bad news and you know she was so excited when she saw us and that's like what broke my heart my family's heart is she was so so happy she thought we had made like an exception to go see her and visit her and we had to tell her this horrible news and this is the turning point in the story where she you know my uncle was only 58 so she says why why god why did you take his life and not mine. You know, she's the one who has cancer. She's the one who got in the car accident, but he was 58 and healthy. You know, why do you take his life? And the priest went and talked to her and said, because this world needs you. You know, if you weren't here right now, like there's been many, many instances where you couldn't be here right now, but you know, your guardian angel is sitting on your shoulder saying the world needs you. And that has just resonated so much with me because it's so true. Like this world needs her. Like we need her. Like she has done so much for us our whole life. And she is such a strong willed woman. And, you know, statistics show that women do live longer than men. And it's just so crazy to think about all this stuff that happened. And, you know, she's still with us today. Just wow. And when you first told me that I was like, there's no way that all happened. That's a lot. That's a lot Crazy. of stuff for someone to go through. So for the listeners to let's go through this timeline real quick. So she gets diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, and then she's dealing with that. She finds out that her husband is dealing with stage four liver cancer. Like that is heartbreaking. And then she finds out that her husband passes away from the cancer. You know, she still has stage four cancer. She's still alive. So I can't imagine what that felt like being a human being, having to actually hear that, witness that. And then she goes ahead and gets in this almost life threat, this life threatening car accident where she almost passes away. Um, and she has cancer and now she's hospitalized again. Um, and she can't do all the things that she wants to do because she broke her femur and different things. And on top of that, she finds out that her son passes away. And and that's all in what timeline? A year? Yeah. So this all started last July. That's a year, guys. Imagine having to go through all of that in a year. 
know, the emotions and, and, and all of that. And that's why, you know, her story is incredible of how much of a fighter she is to still be, you know, that woman and standing tall through all that adversity. Wow. That's all I really have to say. Totally. She is a miracle. You know, her story is, it's definitely something for everyone who listens to, to look at and be like, you know, what, what for you, Julia, you know, would you give, you know, what lesson have you learned from her fighting through all this? You know, what, what would that show people, you know, what she's been able to fight through? I think mindset is everything. So, you know, you're the person that's going to determine how happy you are at the end of the day everything is about mindset and you could be, you know, so, so sick. And if you give up in your mind, you're going to give up in the world. But if you rise above and you have the strength and the mindset, and of course, you know, there's other circumstances that come into play, but I really think mindset is everything. You're so right. And I totally agree. Now, if she, if she was, you know, you know, hypothetically to come on and you know share a message with, with people with the world you know what do you think what do you think that would be on her end you know after all she's been through um i think i don't know what do you think i think right now she's very centered on god um we've been very spiritual very religious our whole life but you know this is a serious series of unfortunate events and the only thing that has kept us together is our faith. And I think that her message would be, you know, may your faith be greater than all of your fears. Because, you know, a lot of this just doesn't make sense. But having faith in a higher power is really what's grounding us. And I think the moral of this whole story. Wow. No, I mean, that's the perfect message. You know, faith is what you know, can get us above all those things, all the fears, all the doubts, all those hard times that we go through. And, you know, she has had the faith and she's, she's still around. And, you know, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And I'm so happy that you came on and, you know, not to share your story, but share her story and, you know, be able to get that out and to get her, you know, what she's been through and to let people know that, we all got to keep fighting. You know, there's, there's such, so many messages in there and I'm so happy that we got to do this. For sure. Thank you so much again for having me on. Of course. So, you know, for anyone, you know, who has grandparents that are still alive that, you know, make sure that you tell them you love them. Make sure that you spend some time with them because, you know, they're not gonna be on this earth forever and they're fighting and they're living and make sure you show them all the love because they definitely love you love that all right guys that ends episode 26 of the mind shape podcast 